All right. So give our online crowd a, a shout out. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching. We have a large, large audience that watches online. And so about three weeks ago, I was going to preach this message, and I just felt a, a hold on it. And, and then the Lord released me uh, one night this week to preach it. And, and uh, I love this message, by the way. I told Janie, I thought she would really like the message. I love it. I think it's a faith builder. I think it's, it's something that is instructive, something we can walk away with. If you take notes, pull out your mobile device or pen and paper or your Bible, get some scriptures. Get some scriptures in your heart today that you can go back to, okay? It's kind of like a spiritual bank account. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write these down, then I'm going to go back to them, as Pastor said. So we're going to read a scripture to start with them. I'm going to show you a video. And I got to explain the video. It's our granddaughter, Sayla. And Sayla's a worshiper. When I say a worshiper, when she walks in, she's three, she just starts dancing around when she hears the music. And, and I'll say that to also say this, when she's home uh, watching online, she dresses up in her church clothes and she worships when nobody's watching. So it's not about people, it's about her worship to the Lord. And at three, like she gets it, okay? And so I want us to kind of get it today. Well, she was walking downtown with her family, her, her daddy is our son, Marcus, and Charity, great parents, good role models, and Sayla and little Judah, they live right between both of our campuses, our main campuses, and so they walk downtown to the little park, Lowe's Park up there, and, and Sayla, being the worshiper she is, and Marcus trying to, and Charity trying to chain, train her in such a way, uh, they were talking about worship one day, and, and, and I'm not sure if she totally understood what was taking place, and she loves to worship God, but they saw saw a beautiful statue downtown and Sayla stopped and said, oh, daddy, look at this, look at this statue, how beautiful it is. Let's just stop and worship. And I don't know if Marcus like misunderstood, no, we don't worship statues or, or Sayla was trying to worship God and thinking he made the statue, but Marcus got fired up. And so they went home and had like a three hour Bible study on why you're not supposed to worship statues, pray to statues and, and do all those type of things. And so the video is kind of near the end of that where they're trying to, you know, do you worship that? And so some of it's a little hard to hear, but she's got a creamer calf. You know, the, the little calves that you put cream in. And, and, and Marcus, or Charity, one of them is asking, do you worship that creamer calf? Do you pray to that creamer calf? And so I want to prelude you on it because if you don't, like, hear it, you won't totally get it. But in the very end, she, she says something really cool because we'll talk about worship today, but the fundamentals of, of how God wants to be involved in your life. So let's go to 16, 2 Chronicles 16 and 9 to start with, and then we'll watch that video. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support. And that, that's really critical. God wants to support you, just so you know that. Strong support to those whose heart is blameless. And I think the key James, it says, melted towards him, toward him. We'll read the rest here in a little bit. Let's pray. We'll watch the video. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, God, that your eyes run to and fro across the whole earth. Lord, looking for whom you will bless. Father, Lord, I pray you bless the people here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's cue the video. Do we pray to that little calf? No. <laughs> we don't right. pray to this little creamer calf. <laughs> Do you pray to it sometimes? No. <laughs> I don't pray to 
any decoration I see. Oh, that's good. What do you, who do you pray to? I pray to God. Amen. I worship to God. We don't just play the barrels. Barrel? No. We don't. No, not barrels. Do we pray to idols? No. Bell idols. What were some other decorations or idols that you don't pray to? Like your. What? What? Do you pray to your piggy bank? No. no. <laughs> Wow, and there you go. Although people pray to Baal, and I would say maybe in today's 21st century church, we don't know that we're praying to Baal. We don't know that we have other gods in front of God. And we, and we, although we know God wants our whole heart and our whole attention, sometimes we kind of lend things out and allow. And this is what, if you watched it as many times as we have, we we can quote it after a while. But see, Marcus is saying, and Charity, are you? Do you pray to that creamer calf? No, I don't pray to that creamer calf. Do you worship the creamer calf? No, I worship God. And I love how she puts the emphasis on God. And at the very end, it's almost like a Holy Spirit moment. Like, like it's just beyond her age where she says, although some people do worship Baal. And some people probably do pray to Baal. And we'll talk about that a little bit today because the story that I'm going to give you is a king who lived, who reigned for 40 and a half years. And the first 36 years of his reign were powerful and magnified. And God gave him abundance and God gave him victory. And he had storehouses. And then he almost took it for granted and he started to build up Asherods and Baals in his life, which were false gods. And the, we can learn from a three-year-old today that we shouldn't worship or pray to a Baal or a creamer calf, and we can learn from a king who reigned for 40 and a half years on how we shouldn't exalt certain things that shouldn't be exalted in our life, and we can fully believe and worship God, your life's going to be okay. Can I tell you that? You're going to be in a good walk. So let's go to Second Chronicles, the uh, 16th chapter and the 7th verse, and we'll, we'll go to the backstory a little bit. At that time, Hanani, the came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the, king, the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Let's stop for a second, because in the, in the chapters 14 and 15, which you may or may not want to read when you get home or this week, if you dive into the Old Testament, the scripture says that in chapter 14, verse um, 6, verse 2, and Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. In chapter 15, verse number 2, the seer says, hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him, and when you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him, he will be there. And so now we see this correction by Hanani that says, wait a second, while you were there, everything was okay, but now you've retracted, you've drawn away. Verse number eight says this then, were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Chapter 14 tells us that these two armies together were over a million men. 
And the, the Jew, Judean army only had about 500,000. So it was two, almost three to one by the time he had in chariots and horses and warriors. And they were, they were mighty warriors, the Bible says. And so uh, Asa's kingdom, Judah, was up against a strong tower and he had way too many people. But the Bible says here, yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. Because you relied on, that word relied, is trust because you trusted the Lord and that word Lord you see is all capitals L-O-R-D that's what we call a tetragrammaton which means it's the presence of God so now that we're talking about the Holy Spirit and how important the Holy Spirit is in our life it represents the presence of God right within us so now we can tr put our trust in a God who chooses to take up residence right in your heart that's a powerful thought, by the way, because now we, we don't worship a God who sits on a throne in heaven, although he's there. He chooses to place part of him in you. And so now the presence of God goes with us wherever we go. And so he, he because he relied, and I like this fact, and we'll cut it down for a second, because you trust on the Lord, he gave. Because you trust on the Lord, he gave you storehouses. He gave you victories. He gave you life. He gave you abundance. And the same thing is holds true today. Because you trust in God, he gives you whatever you have need of. That's what God will do for you. That's the power of God. See, and sometimes because Asa did this for 36 years, Reigned for 40 and a half, but for 36 years, he's trusting in God. He's relying on God. He's loving God. Everything he does, he makes sure God's in charge. Everything he does, he makes sure that he asks God first. He, he inquires of the Lord, should I do this? David did that when Zagalak was burned down in 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. He sat down because even his men were against him, and he started, to, he started to ask the Lord. He inquired of the Lord, should I do this? What should I do? And that's a trust that we have in God. When we choose to not trust in God, and we choose to trust in ourselves, sometimes God says, okay, go ahead, have it your way. I would ask the baseball team for a second. If Marvin gives you, if coach gives you a sign, you know, they do all these. <laughs> Look like they break dancing sometimes at third base. And, and, and could you imagine a, a baseball player shaking coach off? No, ain't gonna, coach would come down, grab the bat out of his hand, slap him a couple times and sit him down. That's what coach would do. I know coach, coach would do that. There ain't no player going to shake him off. Sometimes we're shaking God off, saying, I got this, God. I got this. And God's like, mm, all right. I see some trouble down the road. I'm going to have to come back around and bail it off. It's just more work for me and you. I'm trying to stop you from trouble, is what God's saying. I'm, just trust me, God says. Coach knows. Look for a second. Here, let's do this and all those, I don't know. Seems to me like it's a lot of work for a guy who's going to watch a pitch go by. <laughs> no, sorry, coach. No. Dear Lord, I wonder if we could just grasp a hold of something for a second. 
And I know trust is hard. I know trust with most people has to be earned. And maybe you, you grew up in a, a, a home where maybe trust wasn't very good or, or maybe it was an abusive situation or things got out of hand. And, man, I'm so sorry if that's the case. But if you could just, just reach down within you and you could say, I am going to trust the God that put me on this earth. I am going to trust with everything in me, the one who spoke this world into existence. I maybe don't understand, and I certainly am not the sharpest tack in the box, but the one thing I got going for me is I trust God. And if you can trust God with everything in you, church, I'm going to tell you, your life will be okay. And Asa, for 36 years of his kingdom, he trusted God, and he could not have, he couldn't spend it fast enough. He couldn't use it fast enough. Every war he got into, he won. And then all of a sudden, one day, the, 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 there's going to be another battle. And he decides, man, I, I'm not going to waste my army on this. I'm going to hire the king of Syria to go fight my battle for me. And all of a sudden, then Syria gets destroyed. And the seer comes to, comes to Asa and says, man, you, you missed it. Don't you know the eyes of the Lord? Let's go to verse number 9. And here's where it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this. For from now on, you have wars. And Hanani, the seer, Asa got mad at him, threw him in jail, and never let him back out. And for the last four and a half years of Asa's reign, he got defeat. After defeat, they, they pillaged his goods. They stole from him. They, they took his people. They took his kingdom. They took everything. And it was just horrible. And he set up Baals and Asherahs. He set up false gods. And the little three-year-old in the video, my granddaughter, says, although some people will worship Baal, this is a king of Judah, an Israelite, God-fearing, who worshiped God and trusted God for 36 years and turned his back on God and walked away because he thought he had it made. You can never, ever, ever stop trusting God. You can never stop trusting God. And if you've never started, you need to start today. Just trust God. Just trust God. Little children, little grandbabies, little sons and daughters, they, they come into this world, they just know they're going to have supper. They know they're going to have breakfast. They know they're going to have food. And I'm sorry for the ones who maybe haven't had that. But there's a trust factor there. And we got to make sure that we're, not that we're not trusting in a system or not trusting in a man or not trusting in an ideal, that we're trusting 100% in the creator of the universe, God Almighty who sits on the throne today. That's where our trust needs to be. And listen, just learn from Asa for a second. He had it all, and God gave it to him all. And all he had to do is continue to trust in God. If you're a player, you just trust in the coach. If you're someone exercising, you trust in the, the trainer. If you're, if you're you know, a student, you trust in the professor or the teacher. If you're, hopefully, if you're in a congregation, you, you trust in the Holy Spirit to lead the pastor or spiritual leaders. You, you trust. We trust in, our, in people around us. But, but more than anything, you have to trust in God. That's of utmost importance. And Asa lost that trust. And God never didn't give him any reason to not have him trust in him. He got lazy. He got lethargic. He got tired. It's like, it's good enough. My, my quivers are full. My barns are full. My people are full. My army's full. I don't have to do this anymore. But when he needed God, 
when the army was a million people and he had half that army or less than half that army size, God says, if you'll just trust in me, I'll take care of you. Can I tell you this? God changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter what you're up against, God will send. He's looking. He goes to and fro. The eyes of the Lord. We'll talk about this a little bit more next week. They're the seven facets of the Holy Spirit. Their wisdom, knowledge, understanding, their counsel, might, their fear of the Lord, their reverence, their power. They're strong. And when you have access because you trust God, he sends you right at that time that you needed what you need for that time. That's powerful because when you, when you go through life, you're not going to have every answer. You're not even going to know the questions to ask. But God will be there and he'll sprinkle those with you. But Asa lost his trust. And so I went through scriptures, a couple scriptures, and I really don't have a long message today. We're going to sing the blessing song afterward. It's like a nine-minute song, and, it, and you're just going to rock with us, and it's going to rock your world, and you're going to start calling things out, and you're, gonna get, you're just going to get all jacked up because I know that's who you are. Because in a moment, we're going to start prophesying over situations in our life. I went through Scripture, and I wanted to pick out a couple that were these eyes of the Lord. So these eyes of the Lord, this Holy Spirit, this is, this is powerful stuff. Do we take him for granted sometimes? And I, there's a lot of debate in the church. Where, do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you not have the Holy Spirit? They don't believe in the Holy Spirit. They, they believe in this. They don't believe in that. Can I just say for a second, let's stop all that for a moment and say, God, whatever you have for me, I want. Whatever you have for me, can I have? And however you want to give it for me, I'm open. I'm open. I'm not going to pre-describe how the Holy Spirit's going to fill your heart. All you need to do is ask, but at that point in time, if you need wisdom and you're trusting God, I believe wisdom's going to come. If you need understanding, if you're trusting God, I believe understanding's going to come. If you need knowledge, if you're trusting God, I believe knowledge is going to come. If you need power to walk through a situation that you're too heavy to walk through and it feels like the world is on your shoulders, God will be that power source for you in Jesus' name. Let's go to Zechariah 3 and 9 for a second. He says, For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua. Now, this is not Joshua and Caleb. This is Joshua, the great high priest and prophet. So you, just so you know, because a lot of times when we talk about Joshua, we're talking about Joshua and Caleb out of the book of Joshua. This is not. This is a great high priest who stripped himself before the angel of the Lord because he didn't want anything dirty between him and God. Now, that's trusting in the Lord. Amen. That's the power of his mind. And so on a single stone with what seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts. I will remove the iniquity of the land in a single day. So Joshua here represents priesthood and prophetic. And so I'm going to talk to you for a second about that because even though it's the Old Testament, we're considered priests and prophets in the New Testament. I'll give you the idea why. Peter tells us, and he's quoting out of Deuteronomy, that we're a royal priesthood. We're a chosen generation. We're a special treasure to the Lord. And we've been made priests when we commit ourselves to Christ. When we become Christ followers, now we're part of the priesthood, okay? And then Jesus said, all authority has been given me, and I'm now giving it over to you. You've been given authority in the name of Jesus to do things that God wants you to do. 
Are you with me? So that if you ask anything in his name, he will do it. If you call things forth, he will do it. If you speak things out, he will do it. So why is it, church, have maybe because we lost our trust in God, why are we not walking around prophesying to our situation? Why are we not prophesying machines? And I'm not talking about the goofy kind of stuff. I'm not talking about walking into Walmart and claiming everything on the shelf without buying it. I prophesy, you jump into my cart right now, you jump into my car right now, you turn the backs of the checkers right now, I'm going home right now. You're going to jails, where are you going? Where you should go. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of prophecy. I'm talking about you got a son or a daughter that's away from God, you have the right to prophesy in Jesus' name. You have the right to call that child back home in Jesus' name. You have a right to say, Father, I'm going to ask that you don't let them sleep until they recognize that it's the Holy Spirit that's after them. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, you give us a job. You give us a, a good job during this layoff, not just a job. You give us a good job. I, I have the right to prophesy to break curses. You have the right to prophesy to break strongholds. You have the right to prophesy to loosen things in your life. You have the right to prophesy to, to say things that are, that are right. You have the right to prophesy over your situation, over your marriage, over your home, over your finances. You have the right to prophesy over your town. Janie and I have prayed Psalm 91 nearly every day over, over Grace Church, over, over our friends, over our family, extended family, family back in Omaha and in Kansas City and around the area, family that's, that lives out of town. We've, we've prophesied over our community. We, we've, speak, we've spoken God's word. We have been given that authority, as have you. You've been given that authority to speak life. Romans 4, 17 says that even God who quickens the dead, in parentheses, calls those things that aren't as though they were. He speaks, Genesis tells us, first God spoke, then he made, then he saw. You have to speak things before you start to see them. And listen, hear me on this. Stop speaking negative talk. It's not going to work out. I'm never going to get that job. It ain't going to happen. When I was 50, that was a long time ago, when I was 50, Janie bought me a motorcycle for my birthday. And I'll be honest with you, I talked a big talk up until then. I'm going to get me a motorcycle someday. I'm going to ride my motorcycle. Man, I'm going to be so cool until I got a motorcycle. It was like, dear Lord, now I got to ride that thing. <laughs> I have never ridden a motorcycle in my whole life. It was banned. We were banned growing up from motorcycles. My brother Frank bought a motorcycle, parked in his driveway. My dad lived with him. And he said, whose motorcycle is that, Frank? It's Marty's. He blamed it on my brother. I'm storing it for him. Janie bought me that motorcycle. It's a cute, cute. Motorcycles aren't cute. If they're cute, it's called a moped. <laughs> Are you with me? Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice motorcycle. And I couldn't even ride it home. We had someone from the church ride it home for me. I knew nothing about motorcycles. Like, man, I, I got I to gotta ride that motorcycle now sometime. I'd go out there and prophesy to that motorcycle. I am going to ride you. I did, true story. I am going to ride you. Jenny said, what are you do? <laughs> Talking to that bike. Why don't you just get on and ride it? Because I can't. I got to convince myself first I can. I'm going to ride you, motorcycle, like it was a demon or something. I'm going to ride you, motorcycle. 
I get on the motorcycle, I'd ride it around our Colzac, nearly dropped it three times the first time out. Dear Lord, I'm glad nobody's watching me. After a while, I got to ride a little bit. I rode it for about a year, and then I had to go get my test before Janie could get on it. And Janie's my precious, most precious commodity, just so you know that. So then I went, went to took the te- take the test. Now, I'm, I mean, I'm speaking in my prayer language the whole time out there. But dear Lord, you gotta, I got to pass this test. I got to pass this test. Lord, please help me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'll be praying the whole time. I get on there, and the guy said, who are you talking to? I, n- never, you, just let, let's take the test. Never mind your business. Me and God's going to work this one out. Brad left that thing, cruised home, and Janie and I started riding together. And once I got comfortable, then we went out and bought a, a, a real motorcycle, a Harley. <laughs> I prophesied. And I, you might think that's the funniest thing in the world, but we prophesied over our kids when they were up and up hitting the softball. We prophesied over our kids when they were at the free throw line. We prophesied over the kids when they were taking the ACT and the SAT. We prophesied over our kids before they got married. We prophesied over kids when they were having babies. We prophesied over our kids every chance we get. Why? Because that's the authority that God gave us to do. And you're, you're just hurting yourself if you don't prophesy over your family. And if there's iniquity in your home, you prophesy that thing right out. And you don't have to take authority over it. Jesus already has. And you do what Jude said when Michael showed up. He didn't say, I rebuke you, devil. He said, the Lord rebukes you, Satan. And I always like to add to it, and I do too, in Jesus' name. Get on out of here, devil. I rode that motorcycle. I've been riding motorcycles now for nine years. Do the math, 50 plus nine. Yeah, that's my age. Been riding motorcycles for 59, or 59 years, yeah, for for nine years, and it's some of the greatest times we have. But I'll tell you, sometimes in our life, we allow fear to creep up. And we talk a big talk, like, I would just tell that person until that person turns around. And it's like, ooh, or I would tell that devil, or I would do this, or I would do that. Listen, take your needs to the Lord in prayer and start to prophesy over your situation. And if you will prophesy over your situation, I promise you, church, I promise you with everything in me, God will stand attentive because of Zechariah 4.10. Let's go to 4.10. For whoever, now this is Zechariah talking to Zerubbabel. You know the scripture, first verse, the first six says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Verse seven says, you should shout grace, grace to that mountain, and that mountain will be as rubble to it. So then he comes down to verse 10. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall be see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range through and fo- the, over the whole earth. So it's the same situation. It's the same power that the eyes of the Lord, they go to and fro, they go back and forth. Now, Zechariah is saying the same thing that Hanani said to Asa. Listen, if you don't despise the day of small beginnings now in construction now, maybe they don't use the chalk line or the plumb line like they used to at one time. But what he's saying is, first of all, when you look at like we're building our, our, we're reconstructing our downtown building. So we have architects' drawings. We have plans. And then from the plans, you lay the plan out, and then you draw out the plumb line or the chalk line so everything's straight and square, okay? You have a plan in your life that God has for you. In other words, when you were born, when you were created, you were created for greatness, and greatness is what God's plan drawn up for you. Now you have to start walking it out and living it out. Now, greatness may not be the richest person in the world. Greatness might just be affecting one life, your whole life, that changes somebody who changes somebody else. 
You might be the person that leads the Billy Graham to, to the Lord. You might be a person that just is so sound foundationally and fundamentally that people look at you and see Jesus in you. See, we, we have a plan for our life. Well, the plan for our life takes place and takes birth when we draw the plumb line and we mark that chalk and say, okay, God, here I am. My faith, trust, hope, belief, confidence is in you. I, my faith is in you, Father. And Zachariah is saying, it doesn't matter if that faith is small. Jesus says, even the grain of mustard seed is the size of faith that we're required to have. So that's not a big mustard seed. or some of the smallest seed there is. So it doesn't require a lot of faith. It's exercising that faith. It's utilizing that faith. It's speaking to that faith sometime. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he who's in me than he's in the world. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Sometimes you have to speak it out. And when you pray by faith and not by fear. See, sometimes we pray by fear. God, don't let it happen. God, don't let it happen. God, don't let it happen. God's not going to let it happen. But sometimes he's waiting for us just to stand tall and say, God, I'm not going to command you. You command the law. You, you command the earth. Remember Job in the 38th chapter? Job's having a pity party. Now, who wouldn't? He lost his whole family. His friends are telling him to curse God and die. He's got boils all over him. He's at a pit of ashes scraping those things, and he's hurting, he's bleeding. And he's, and he's whining, and who of us would not have whined? And God steps up and says, hey, is it you that turns the earth on its axis? Is it you who stops the hail? Is it you that tells it when to snow? Is it you that tells it when to rain? No, it's me, and if you listen to me, I will do everything for you that needs to be done. Same God, same faith. So if you walk by faith and not by sight... It must mean that you have full trust in the Lord. Come on back, worship team. And if you have full trust in the Lord, and you start to prophesy to the situations in your life, now hear me. Let me give you three takeaways really quickly that you can take with you. One, you got to trust God. You have to trust God. And I, and I mean, I'm not saying like 50% of the time. I'm saying 100% of the time you trust God. I'm just going to, and it's going to take some practice for some of us. I'm going to trust God. That's just what I'm going to do. I'm just going to trust God. Two, I'm going to prophesy to my situation. If there's something in my situation that I do not like, I'm going to speak to that situation. God has given me authority over situations in my life. Situations maybe I've gotten myself into. I'm going to speak to myself through that situation. I'm going to prophesy. I don't have to be that way. I don't have to do that thing. I don't have to go those places. I don't have to do whatever, whatever the things are. I started charting myself every in January. The book, number of books I read each month, number of workouts each month, uh, one special thing that, I've, that I try to do to educate myself each month. And I look back and I, and I chart those things because I found myself kind of meandering through life. And so I started charting. But when you, that chart has become prophetic to me. I've been able to call back those things, do those things. So when you see something in your life that you don't like, rec analyze yourself first and then start prophesying. If you see something in your family, you have the authority to break that curse in Jesus' name and to move forward. And that's what this next song is all about, breaking the curse. And then number three, you need to have faith in God. Stand with me today, right where you're at. Every single person here, stand with me. We're going to sing this, one of the most powerful songs right now. And, and I want you to, 
if it doesn't regard your family, I want you to start prophesying to your situation, prophesy to your future, prophesy to your past, prophesy to your present. You start to prophesy. You start to uh, encourage yourself in the Lord like David did. Asa's reign was ruined because he left God. He built up Baal worship like our granddaughter. Now hear me again. This is such a simple message that a three-year-old can get it. But it's such a complicated life that a king of over 40 years missed it after serving God for 36 years. Raise your hands if you're comfortable doing so. Father, I prophesy today with all authority vested in me. Lord, as a child of yours, that you will cause greatness to come out of the people that are in this congregation, that are watching online, that call this church home. Father, Lord, that love and live for you. Father, I call greatness. I call the plan of God to be activated in their life. Allow them to trust and have faith in you to prophesy in their situation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.
Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.